Hey guys, my name is Keegan. And I'm Aaron. We are the Bruder Podcast and it's episode seven. Where are we, Az? Uh, we're sitting in an old car, which we've spent, I don't know, how many hours in today? We left at 5am from yep. uh, our folks' place. About 700, 750 kilometres later and we're looking out at uh, the beach at Crescent Head in New South Wales. Except uh, it's not 700 k's normally to get to Crescent Head. <laughs> we, we took a back way. Yeah, and it was great. We went, um, we, we're going to do a little video for it, but we went, um, started out, out uh, northwest and went the complete back way up uh, Putty Road, which a lot of people sort of know. Yep. Uh, from there, where was the first place we stopped at? Uh, well, we stopped sort of just before Windsor, first up. Yep. Um, and it looked like there was a bit of a BMW club meet. So there's a few M3s. This is at 5am, by M4s the way. M4s floating around. Hence the, the red eyes. Um, and then we sort of kept on moving. And then eventually we stopped at an Aporto for something to eat. And I think... That was we, Tamworth, was it? We, we were in Tamworth. Yeah. So essentially we made our way, the back way up to a place called Walcher, where we were essentially, it's sort of inland... Um, of 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 on the eastern seaboard. Yeah, we were essentially going a back way to get to Oxley Highway, mm-hmm. which is a road that uh, I've personally wanted to do for some time. And uh, Aaron was the donor um, donor vehicle today. His nine nine three Carrera, um, which is which has been faultless so far. Yeah, no no lights on the dash. Um, avoided a couple of kangaroos, uh, quite literally. <laughs> um, there was an eastern grey along the way. Um, that was a bit scary. Uh, but aside from that, no, safe day, fun had, and uh, yeah, safe and sound. That uh, So we, we were going up Putty Road. It was probably about 5.45 at this point, <laughs> pitch black, and um, kangaroos oh. hang out in the morning a lot. And this is, if, if anyone from overseas, they're just going to think it's so stereotypical, but you do get a lot of kangaroos. And they don't muck around. These things are like two mm. meters when they're standing up. Mm. Uh, so if you hit them, it's no joke. Like yeah. no joke. And you were doing probably about a dollar ten, a hundred clicks at one point yeah. as we we're sort of coming to a, a corner. And Keg was a big boy. Keg spotted it early. And the issue with the kangaroos are their behaviour is just erratic and unpredictable. So he's sort of standing by the side of the road. Um, thankfully, Keg spotted him. We we braked, and then he sort of saw us, and then headed the opposite direction. Mm. Thankfully, which wasn't across the road. So. That was the first one, and then there's you came a few, across two more. Yeah, two two smaller ones. So I think like we were we were well um, conditioned after the first one. The other ones were just babies. So yeah. So anyway, we've uh, we'll, we'll do a separate video. So I don't think we need to talk too much on sort of what, what we are, but we're, we're yeah. on a road trip, and uh, as you'll see, I'll, I'll uh, if you're watching this, I'll, I'll click over and you'll see where we are at Crescent Head, which is a very famous surf break um, north of north of Sydney. So uh, pretty exciting. Big news this week. A lot of news. A lot yeah, of things. Plenty. Plenty. Where do you want to get stuck into, As? Well, I think we'll call it the good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, let's start with the ugly. <laughs> yeah, let's get in. Let's dive right in. <laughs> you kick it off because um, we it was funny. We should have actually recorded our drive up because... We've been podcasting well, for we've, seven hours was, without we recording. Just, we just discussed nonstop the whole way. Um, and the topic of conversation was the McLaren Senna. Oh. Oh. I almost run out of things to say about that car now. Um the biggest thing is, I think that was such a wasted opportunity mm. to create something. Obviously, it's special, but I feel like its achievements in terms of performance are going to be overshadowed for its entire life, yeah. forever, because of its looks. We've got to look at it. And, you know, it's, it's going to be amazingly fast. We've seen some videos on it. Mm. Um, 
there's some obviously famous YouTubers that have sort of put some orders down, but it just looks horrendous. And you see what else McLaren's made, and it's it's stunning, and it's um, beautiful. And then you see the Senna, and then a day or two later, then we see the 600 LT come out, which looks oh, gorgeous in my opinion. And you think, what have you done with the Senna? I was going to say, a big, a big word big word for the podcast, but juxtaposition, I think, is the word that oh, comes to mind. Bipolar. Yeah, when you when when you when you were release when McLaren's releasing a car as good looking as the 600 LT, mm. um, and then you have the Senna, which I don't care what anyone says, yeah, it doesn't look good. It looks horrendous. You, when people people are trying to defend it, but like I don't know why it's not it's not your child. You know what I mean? Like mm. I get it if you've got an ugly child, and you say it's beautiful. I get it, but a car's not your child. It's an ugly car. And if you like the brand. Ugly. That's fine, and you can say you like the brand and it's quick and all that. But I think there are more people publicly uh, than than otherwise actually saying how disappointed they are with it, um, and that it's just it's just not good looking. And you look at cars that it's going to compete with, and they've managed to get the aero, they've managed to get um, the performance, and they look they look great. Yeah, I, a bit of a bizarre one. I think there's apparently one coming to Australia. Oh, look, it's cool that it, they've made it good on them, whatever, but. Just make it better looking. Just simple. That's all it is. Just, I don't know. It's, I don't know who signed off on it. Well, I think it missed a step in the sign-off process and it just slipped through because I Mm. I don't know how that got approved. That, I actually think sort of going into the sort of McLaren branding thing, uh, it's kind of nice in that they have a clean slate and there's nothing they have to stick to design-wise. There's no ethos, right? That's true. But you almost wish there was a bit of ethos ethos with this one because it's it's gone you can see the lineage with the 675 now the 720 and the 570 and mm. all the variants even the P1 they make sense and they've got sort of a look about them yeah. the Senna it looks like a um a kit car and and they've designed it it seems as though you had uh, a team of designers and and the designers were like Excuse me. They were like, okay, well, you design the wing and you go in that room and then you go and design the body, you go in that room and then you design the wheels and then you design the uh, the wheelbase and then no one sort of collaborated and then they just sort of mashed it together yep. and obviously it's going to perform on track. Yep. But we all have eyes. They don't look good. Yeah. And, and look, people can debate, oh, it's going to look good in this color or in the flesh, it's more impressive. You know what? A car should look good in any color. The first impressions often last mm. and they're not, they're not positive from a visual perspective. Yeah, yeah, bit of a shame, bit of a shame, and I don't know. It, 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 and it's funny, because you know how the whole th- thing about the centre is, it's about being extreme, right? Yeah. Everyone, oh, it's this and it's that, and that's cool. I, and you know as much as anyone, I love those extreme cars, mm. but the fact of the matter is, if you're going to go to that style of car, when you've got GD3 cars like, um, I mean, McLaren's uh, 650S GD3 looks unbelievable. It looks fantastic. The GD3 car looks yep. great. And it's the same thing as like a Senna, huge aero. Obviously, it's down on power because of mm. the restrictions in the class. But, you know, like why not just make that car, give it heaps of power, and it's that's your Senna. Mm. Yep. Uh, I and I, I, I somehow think Ayrton Senna would have been a bit more of a stylish bloke than what this car portrays. And he, mm. I wonder what he would have thought of it. Yeah. I wonder if he'd be happy with it holding his name. be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so we, we, we talked about the 600LT. That's going to be an exciting one. That um, looks awesome. Uh, something, no doubt, we will not own or drive due to the price. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, pretty cool to watch videos of it and whatnot. Um, and and just McLaren killing it. Overall, they are doing well. Yeah, lots of, lots of new product development. Um, I guess that's a pro and a con, depending on whether mm. you're an owner. Um, yeah. And you get superseded quite quickly. 
but they're certainly innovating mm. um, and they're coming up with new ideas, new concepts. Um, and look, you know, we've got to give it to them. Maybe they'll get something wrong along the way. And I think for the most part, they've got them right. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's very, very topical at the moment, the look of that car. So let's go one extreme to the other here, As Let's mm-hmm. talk style. Okay. Now, Aston are known for style. Oh. And I... And I think we're in agreement that they've knocked it out of the park. Uh, gorgeous. For the uh, the new uh, DBS uh, Superleggera. Looks stunning. It, it particularly, my favourite is um, the, the front three-quarter angle because you get mm. to see the rear haunches. It's apparently, um, I don't know how many inches or millimetres wider, but it's I think it's 11 uh, centimetres wider. I, I heard 11, and I'm not sure if that was mil or centimetres. It's got to be centimetres. We've got to fact check that. Because... But. 11 mil is one centimeter. Yeah, I think that's I think I think it's 11 centimeters yeah. right. I was about to say 11 inches, but no way. It's 22 yeah. centimeters bigger. So 11 centimeters wider in the rear. And um, remember when Aston did uh, 77, uh, 77, uh, the 177. Yeah, yep. That car was stunning, right? But obviously huge money. They only made 77 mm. of them. Blah blah blah. That DBS uh, Superleggera has a lot of that in it, from what I can see. And I think um, when you see the clamshell bonnet come up and you sort of see the engine bay and all the bracing and the engineering that's gone into it, it looks like a very, very well-made and thought-out car. Mm. Um, And I think thought-out maybe didn't exist when they were doing the looks of the car we spoke about previously because this is just gorgeous, the Aston. It is hands Mm. down, stylish, um, and it creates some more competition in a really interesting segment. It's funny because as much as um, everyone will debate about, you know, human attraction on, oh, it's about what's on the inside that counts, the fact of the matter is looks mm. looks count, looks matter. Well, wasn't wasn't doesn't matter what it is. Jim Carrey of Liar Liar, I think he said, oh, that's just something that ugly people say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, so overall, though, so that, that that's pitting up against like an 812 super fast, yeah. right? yeah. As nice as that car is, let's say, let's put you in a position, Aaron. You've mm. got in Australia, let's put like a nigh on $800,000 mm. $800, mm. car, who knows. You've got the money to buy it, and let's assume that you can even order an 812 versus yep. a DBS Super What are you doing? You know, I'm not typically a Ferrari person, and I would often go for the look and style of the car probably over the overall performance and the heritage yep. and that sort of thing. But the 812 Superfast, just the sound of that alone, mm. and the fact I do think it also looks good would be my number one priority. But the Aston's not far behind. I think that is a very, very nice car mm. and the different combinations you can get it in. Um, is it through? Q, is it called the Q program? Something yeah, sort of like customization. that, yeah. Um, it, it is a very stylish car. And the Ferrari may not be suitable for most situations because mm. people probably Stigma. would have some thoughts and stereotypes attached with that. But I think the Aston would probably be a bit more um, it, sociable. It, it cuts yeah. through. It, it's funny how um, certain things just cut through. Yeah, society and perception and all that and let's face it if you're driving a lamborghini or a ferrari there's certain stigma attached to that Mm, mm. but you can turn up in a balls to the wall aston martin for some reason people are just like and i think it's the james bond thing i think so too yeah because people watch the james bond films and they go man that guy's cool they want to be him or whatever they just i think it's acceptable so aspirational perhaps mm. yeah and so the fact that you can potentially, if if, if money permits, drive a, your DBS Superleggera mm. everywhere or to the office or to meetings or something like that, there's something to say about that. It's probably more usable just on image compared to an 812. And your choice? Uh, well, I mean, it's an 812 at yep. heart, but you know what? I thought I liked the new Vantage, and, and I do, mm. 
But this super legera, there's something about it mm. that I think is hot. And you know what's funny? Wasn't it like a week or two ago we saw all these videos and reviews online of the the AMR DB11? Yeah. That was quite weird. That was like, it was almost McLaren-esque where you announce one model and then yeah. you supersede it. I wonder like what's coming next week. <laughs> if there's an even more hardcore super, super legera. But Aston Martin doing some great things and we were talking about the tie-up with Mercedes and, and all that. Only seen as positive from my perspective. It means they've got access to probably um, a higher quality, more reliable product. And geez, they know how to design a car. Um, it'd actually be interesting. I think we should go and look at a couple of these in the flesh when we get a chance and see what they're like up close. Definitely. Yep. It's funny. 10 years ago, right? So we're obviously 2018 now. We're 2008. If you wanted to buy yourself an overly expensive vehicle for no reason at all, which was what we all want to do, and this is why you're listening to this because yeah. we all aspire to it, you really, in the top end of the space in terms of sports cars or you know sports cars or above, you really only had Ferrari and Lamborghini, right? Pretty much. And obviously, as much as we love Porsche, it does not quite sit on the same perch as those as those brands. Yeah. Um, we sit on a different pedestal altogether, which we're happy with. That's where a lot of people want to sit. It's it's different. But now, in that top end space, not only have sort of Porsche sort of filtered into that more so, but we've now obviously got McLarens yep. in there, and now Aston Martin have lifted their game big yeah, time. Resurgence. And so we've you've got the fact of the matter is. No matter what your budget is, if you're at hot hatch level or if you're at stupid fuck-off money level, choice. You've just got choice. Yep. And that's not a bad thing. It makes it complicated to an extent, though. Because we're always price-checking. Oh, if you got this, oh, but then you're in that price bracket Mm. and we can get this. And what we were looking at secondhand... uh, uh, 997 Series 2 Turbo S had come up for sales here in Australia and we are talking about it and benchmarking it against a new Carrera because the price is pretty similar. Um, and yeah, we, we went on for a while about that. <laughs> it's, I feel like, um, and I've never, I've never specced a new, I have, but it's a Golf, so I just ordered white, right? So I've never, I've never been through that process and, and you have, you've been through yep. that process of, of, I guess, specking a, a vehicle of, of value, you yep. know, talking six figures here. What's it like when you have to pull, um, uh, how do I phrase it? When you have to push the button on saying, that's my spec, that's what I want to do. How's that? I, I think once I make a decision on something, I'm, I accept and commit to it instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to go back and change it. Mm-hmm. So I obviously discussed it with you. I played around it with myself and I thought... Played around with yourself or the configurator? No, the configurator. <laughs> I think it was a configurator that night. Um, but obviously had to exercise some restraint because otherwise you can go crazy. And what's already a great vehicle, you can then over deca- overcapitalize as well. Mm. So it was a fine line. I think I ended up spending about 10% of the purchase price on options. So I had that in my mind and then sort of prioritized what I wanted um, in terms of what I would value, but also thought about what the next owner would want as well because I think you need to do that. Um, well, if it's not, if it's a car, I think that's a that's a funny debate topic yeah. there because a lot of people argue that, oh, stuff the next owner, order it for yourself. But, mm. you know, the reality is not everyone's going to keep a car forever. Correct. More often than not, statistics will show that a car will be sold at some point, probably within 12, 14, 18, 24 months. Yep. So, you know, you might do, you, you as you said, you, you still had to be cautious of what might happen because you don't want to end up with something that you're stuck with, right? You, yeah. you want something that's eventually going to be able to be sold on and, and then so you can move into that next thing. Yeah. Big time. Big and it's time. look, it's fun process. Mm. Um, but I know a lot of people then second guess what they've put in and then your order mm. gets locked. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can go too wrong if you've got a great base to start with. Yeah. Um, it, it's then just personalization. 
Yeah, big time, big time. So I'm just thinking, what else this week? So we've had the, the DBS Superleggera, we had the, the Senna. I feel like I'm missing something. Can we spoke about the Brabham last week. We addressed mm. that one quickly. I've just had a complete mental blank. I feel like, ah, oh, that's what I want to talk about. Um, the Green Hell. Ah. The 919 Evo. My God. So overnight, well, this will probably um, this will probably be posted up on either Sunday or Monday. Mm. Um, but uh, essentially, I think it was yesterday or, or whatever. Overnight, basically, Porsche and the nine one nine just beat their own record as you do by like a minute. The the video footage is insane. If mm. you've not watched it, the amount of times he's cornering this is Timo Bernhard, I think it is. Yeah. In excess of three hundred kilometers an hour. Yeah. And how quick trees and barriers and grass and everything around him is, mm. is going past, it is it is bloody frightening. <laughs> so now you've got... So Porsche had the outla- outright lap record for a few years with the 918 Spider. Mm. So technically that still reigns as the number one lap time for a hybrid vehicle because if you want to get technical, you can categorise it. The GT2 RS, obviously the reigning production mm. car lap record. The GT3 RS Series 2 is the naturally aspirated lap record they hold yep. and they also now they've just beaten their own uh, outright lap record so they just own that place it's literally <laughs> there it's like why even bother if you're another manufacturer they call it the pork pork ring or something <laughs> something stupid <laughs> the porsche ring the um the the thing for me was particularly because now that i've watched so many laps of nurburgring mm. i start to benchmark in my mind like um points on a corner or a lap or apex like speeds right so the average speed i think was 234 odd kilometers per hour which is bananas in itself but there's a section in particular um and i've never we've never driven it no but i've heard enough people talk about the undulations and all that sort of stuff that it scares me from 20,000 kilometers away um here in australia but there's a section after flugplatz and i've probably butchered that um uh, I believe Flugplatz goes to the right and then it veers to the left. Now, um, I might put it up on screen, but from the I remember watching the GT2 RS onboard lap, and I think it's nudging 300-odd, and that's just bananas. Now, I think the, nine, the, the Evo, the 919 Evo is like 350 or 340 or something through that corner, which is just, just that's, bananas. That's frightening. It is. And I, I was watching uh, Misha put out a, a video to sort of talk about it, and he actually made a good point where... Um, from the calculations, supposedly it will do sub five, but we also have to remember that's a human turning that wheel. Yeah. If something goes wrong, like it's it's yeah. it's lights out. Yeah, there's not much time to mm. fix up a mistake, is there? At so, that speed. Yeah, so I think um, I think they probably could have gone potentially a little bit faster, but I mean, what's the you, you're beating your own record by a minute? What's the point in, in risking it? So I think that was smart of them to to call it a day when they did to go. You know what? There's been no accidents. We've set a record. No one's going to beat it. Let's move on. I, I wonder what Timo's adrenaline must have been like after that. Like, you would just be so jacked up because that is just unbelievably quick. Mm. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if he was able to calm down and sleep anytime soon after because just watching it, you're on edge. Like, I feel like I feel edgy watching it. Uh, it's that quick. I think... Um I just think they've got they're they're a different breed. The way mm. that they can just operate, cool, calm, and collected. And I know that from um, uh, like speaking to Andre Heimgartner. Oh, Andre Heimeyer. Yeah. Yep. The the way the way they just sort of talk about it, it's honestly just like a, another day in the office sort mm. of thing. It's it's quite it's quite funny for us. I mean, mere mortals to sort of fathom it and and understand it. It's very unique. 
Yeah. Well, there was a topic that I wanted to bring up, and this yeah. this one I'm springing on you. Because yeah, yeah, go it's for coming, it. Coming from Far the away. field. So we've been at the top end. We're talking about dream cars. We're talking about all these sort of crazy lap records and whatnot. Let's come back to reality. Is that back what you're saying? Back to reality. Let, let's, let's say you've only got five grand to spend. Yeah. All right. So 5,000, obviously not going to get us a new car, but what's one or two cars that you think would fit within that, that you would potentially look at if you only had five grand? Um, I actually don't know, but it's probably... I know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> the problem is though, right? Mm. There's lots... I know there's lots of like old German cars that fit within that bracket, there right? Are. There are. The problem is though, buying an old $5,000 something something German, I think that's a pretty scary thought as to what you're buying. So I don't know how valid it is. I feel like you need to buy probably something Japanese. Yeah. Could be an option. Potentially hot hot hatchy I don't know but to be honest all the Japanese hot hatches from that era that would have fit in that price bracket are now trendy and costing lots of money yeah, yeah. Um, oh I, I actually don't know you tell me and I'll, I'll, have, I'll keep yeah, thinking so you tell I, me I, I have two that came to mind immediately okay. once I thought of the topic um, so on, on your first point mm. Probably some risk associated with, but an E30 3 Series BMW. You can easily fit that into the price bracket. Is it which, which, which engine? 318, 328? Just a 318, um, probably coupe, or even, even sedan. Not a convertible, though, because I think that would have even more issues. And then the second one, and this this one I think is quite a, quite a good one, actually. Um, the Mini Cooper S, when it first had the four-cylinder 1.6 supercharged engine. Are they five grand? You can grab one. It'll have maybe a couple of hundred thousand Ks, but it's manual, cracking little cart. It's like a go-kart. Um, so, yeah, I looked at those two and I thought, that's that's probably quite interesting. So, I know you can get things like GDIs hovering around five, maybe like asking seven and a half and you might get it for five. But That's I, a Volkswagen GTI. Yeah, yeah yep. Volkswagen Golf GDI. But I've owned it. I owned one <laughs> that was a cheap one and it cost me a bomb. So, those five grand cars, to me... They're not worth it because yep. your five turns into 10, 15 before you know it. So you're better off just buying a quality version of it sort of day one as far as I'm concerned. Um, and that kind of makes more sense. But mm. to be honest, the budget was that. I don't think you can... Like a Toyota Hilux. I'd buy a Hilux. Yes, yeah, yep. Like a real shit one. But Unbreakable, they say. They are. But even then, even Hiluxes have gone up in value. Mm. Like um, like a, a family's got a 1995... 2.7 Hilux non-turbo, right? Yeah, it's sluggish. You'll be at the shops driving this thing. I've more people have approached me about that car and asked if they could buy it. Like, because <laughs> I used to drive it, I used to drive it all the time. The amount of people that asked to buy it because they're just trendy. Everything's trendy. Yeah, I think what's you know that's sort of like 90s era is like so cool right now. Um, I don't know. Things seem to go in cycles of 20 years, so maybe that's all it is. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the key thing is you just got to save up more money and buy these 812 Superfast that you can't even buy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. One more topic. Yeah, yeah. So we had a bit of work done to the car we're in and sort of picked it up oh, about a week ago. Um, and it's sort of come up exterior-wise. It had a detail and it's the paintwork. It's been paint-corrected. Like, paint-corrected. And the paint looks fantastic. And it's sort of got me thinking about colours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got our sort of whites, greys, blacks, those sort of traditional colours, you know, bright reds, etc. Wanted to pick your brain on your favourite colour, and I know this is a difficult one one for you because you've probably got different colours for different brands, etc. But what would be sort of be top of the tree? Uh, for me, if you go in colour wise, it's blues, greens, and yellows. Yep. Okay. Um, now, obviously, certain colours work with certain uh, 
uh, manufacturers. But even then, it's more to do, I think, the thing for me is it's, do you go light or dark? Right. Okay. So, for instance, yep. there are many blues out there. I like the the you know light blues look good. You can go dark blues. It, so it sort of just depends on what it is and sort of the manufacturer. But um, I'm pretty particular on it, and I think because uh, it just depends. You know, sometimes you want to have a, a low key car that you you, you sort mm. of don't want to sort of be shown in. Because it's quite funny. I'm a huge silver fan. So if you're going white, black, or silver, silver by far for me. Yeah, out of the out of yeah, the mainstream. Out, yeah, out yep. of the normal boring colours, as people would say. I'm a huge silver fan. I just think it looks smart. It yep. looks good, and it never dates. Correct. I like that. Um, but yeah, blues, greens, and yellows. If I've got to go skittles, something something along those lines. Yeah. What about you? Green. <laughs> but, but, but when you say green, are we talking dark? Are we talking light? Uh, uh, it would be on the lighter side. Yeah. Um, it'd be one of the sort of sort of Porsche green colours from sort of the, the 60s, 70s, or which then came back in some sort of different paint code, but for mm. the 997 uh, GT3 RS, um, that's just really been a colour that's always stuck in my mind. But for everyday cars as well, silver. But you know what? It's funny because you say green, right? Yep. Now, let's say your greens work well with, with, a, with an Aston Martin. They work well with a Porsche. They work on McLarens. Obviously, Lamborghinis are very well known for green. But you don't see many green Ferraris. 458 Speciali. Yeah, there's, there's one that uh, lives, lives near us. But if push came to shove, if you've got yourself, let's go back on the 812 Superfast because that's yep. the one that we're just lusting over big time, right? If yep. you had your slot, I know for a fact you are not going to order Signal Green eight, an 812 Superfast. Rosso Corsa. Exactly right. So that's why I think it's very funny that <laughs> it's so uh, brand dependent yep. on what color you would choose because what looks great, like a green, a Verde Mantis on a, mm. on a Huracan, mm. It almost looks. I mean, look. No, I'm not going to say it's out of place, but on Ferraris, it looks different. We're not used to it. It's not. Yeah, it's not probably um, as common. Mm, very, very unique. Um, I guess um, it's got Aaron and I. Aaron and I. Uh, we're heading over to Rensport later September later this year. Yeah. So Rensport reunion. Uh, it's going to be big, obviously, for the 70th anniversary um, for, for for Porsche. So. We've been uh, we've been talking about what's happening there, and uh, should be a pretty exciting adventure, I reckon. I think it'll be awesome, um, and we're hoping to have a few other friends and other people sort of join us along the way. Yeah. Um, I guess what's exciting for those that are listening is we're mm. going to try and do a couple of podcasts over there, yeah, and get some international guests. Um, so some people that are not Australian, or um, we'll just get them to put an accent on and pretend, <laughs> pretend they're from another country. Yeah, and. Um, Look, I think the event itself goes for, what, three days? Four, four days. Four days, sorry. Um, and look, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the, I guess, more classic stuff. But, you mm. know, there'll be some interesting sort of newer things floating around. Um, but, yeah, I think we're sort of going to lose our shit when we're over there. There'll be too much to take in. That's going to be incredible. Um, one more thing I want to run past you. So, was it last year you went to Goodwood? So Goodwood, which is sort of happening round about now. It's in a couple, it's in a few weeks. In yeah, a few weeks. Did Goodwood last year and that was just absolutely fascinating just is that to the, see the best event you've been to, you think? Um that and the Porsche Museum tour. Okay. Um in terms of a brand, that was certainly the best. But Goodwood's incredible because you've got everything from um, cars that have just been released and going to be available to the public, yep. sort of at an entry level, all the way through to historic race cars. Uh, and then you've got all the personalities that go with that as well. So they do get some Formula One drivers. Um, they get some very, very interesting people there and some interesting cars, which people, uh, I think, are very open and generous in terms of sharing. I remember um, in a lawn area, you could just walk past and there's a McLaren F1 sitting there. 
no rope around it, no one guarding it, just full trust that you can go up and look at it and people will be respectful, and, and they are. So there's things like that which are just incredible. I've still never seen a McLaren F1 in person. It's mind-blowing. Is it, is it, it better than you can it's imagine? It's better, yeah. So you, you sort of play Need for Speed and you look at it and then you think it's amazing. We've got a little audience out here, apparently. Um, so, yeah, it's an amazing car. Awesome, awesome. Well, look, I think we'll keep this one sort of punchy, short and sharp today. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll put a little video out of, of the trip away this weekend. It was it was good fun. A big thanks to, to Shazza for lending, lending his car. No worries. It's been a good trip. Yeah, it's been good. So... Um, until next time, Shaz, you got anything else left left to say to the uh, the listeners? No, just stay tuned. I think we're you know we're sort of seven in now and finding you know, our groove. You reckon? Yeah, I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Um, you know, we're enjoying it, and we hope you guys are enjoying the content. If there's anything you want to hear or anything you don't like, let us know. We won't listen. If we, we may don't listen. Know. We may not. <laughs> it's at our discretion. Yeah. Um, and. Housekeeping, guys. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, hit us up on uh, on your favourite podcast format. Whether you're on uh, iTunes, search for us in the store under Bruder Podcast. Uh, use your favourite Android app um, and and search Bruder Podcast as well. And uh, you you'll be able to stay up to date um, using your ears. And if you like to use your eyes, obviously uh, stay tuned on YouTube. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it from me. Signing out from. Uh, the beautiful crescent head. Time to go get something to eat. I think I'm pretty hungry. Yeah, and have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, catch you soon, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.